This is the one with a co-op milkman. The efficiency of inefficient efficiency. Musicless suicide. Vegetable protein. And a ton of maggots. It's called the Green Death. Here we go. We're embarking on a voyage all through time and all through space. Counting Daleks, Talent Boot, and the Cybertronic race. Sontarans look like taters, and Silurians all have wonky scales. And the Doctor has a TARDIS. We're reviewing all his tales. Who back when? Reviewing all of who there is. Who back when? Subscribe and read on iTunes, please. Episode by episode, we're trudging down this temporal road. Come join us on this odyssey. What other choice could there be than who back when? Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to C zero sixty nine. I can't really. I can't even be as creepy as you when I try to. Uh, yeah, welcome everyone to to our review of the Green Death. Uh, What's this podcast called again? It is called. Who back when a Doc Two podcast or Doc Past? That's all I wanted to say. I'm so excited about sixty nine. <laughs> I've completely forgotten what the fuck we were doing. Uh, that lovely voice you hear in your earballs is none other than Ponkin. Say hello, Ponkin. Oh, hello, Ponkin. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Nick Lely. Hi. So this is a special podcast. <laughs> no, well, this is a special episode. This is the last adventure of Katie Manning as Joe. It is indeed. Which... Did you know that beforehand? No, I didn't. But actually, the foreshadowing, the incluing, was, was quite, like, from the first scene. Was, was, yeah, that's true. Sort of gave me the, the impression. We'll obviously get into this, but you're right. Like in the first episode already, she's like, uh, but I, I don't want to do this military shtick anymore. I want to join a hippie commune. I want to like, I've read all about this professor. I feel like court martial. <laughs> There's no, you system. don't just quit the military like that. <laughs> Maybe. Sorry, brigadier. I'm heading off to the countryside. <laughs> Treason. <laughs> you can't leave. Why not? Because Cause contracts and orders and... Well, you described you to me... You swore an oath. You described to me what I do and I'll stay. <laughs> <laughs> that should be the deal. The brig should have to <laughs> explain to her her job title. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. Shall we jump into a bite-sized chunk of who? Time for us to synopsize, clarify and summarize. So take a view and grab a brief and listen to this overview. This free for all. We like to call a bite-sized chunk of who. Bite-sized chunk of who. Global chemicals, in a bid to bring back riches to South Wales, have secured a government contract to muscle out coal in favour of the much cleaner and cheaper oil. Understandably, this has brought the ire of Nobel laureate Professor Jones, a mushroom-fueled conservationist and hippie romantic. When a bright green miner turns up dead, Unit enters the scene to investigate, only to find gigantic maggots, suicidal zombie bureaucrats, and a sinister reel-to-reel. Please go over. You are welcome. Aren't you just? Oh. So, Leon. Oh, would you like me to start off with a question? I can, I can see it in your eyes. I can see it in your eyes. You've been working on a good question to hit me. No, I mean, I, I do have a few questions, because this, this serial... Though I will say up front, I love this cereal. It did leave me wondering. <laughs> it left me with so many questions. But in a way that I'm not that upset about. And usually, you know, we're very upset about the big plot holes or the, like, why the fuck did that happen? Actually, it's all pretty... Yeah, anyway, sorry. Mm. Give me oh, yeah. this question. Oh, okay, cool. So, you remember that bit where the Doctor goes in drag undercover? Yes. So, my question is, did he strip and gag the real cleaning lady? Because he is clearly wearing her clothes. Very good point. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. You look horrified right now. <laughs> yeah, well, that's not that's not fucking cool, is it? No. But where did he get those clothes? He clearly is wearing her clothes. And you would have absolutely have because everyone sort of treated him as if 
Oh, yeah. How much does he look like, you know, Ethel the fucking cleaning lady? I mean, there's even a guard who addresses him as... Is it, is it Ethel? I don't know like, what whatever. It is, yeah. Like, actually, I wrote down a little soundbite, but like, he goes on, like, oh, so how, how's the old man doing? Mm. She clearly has a rapport with people. People recognize her dress yeah. and whatever. Yeah. I'm, I would not be surprised if he has killed Ethel. <laughs> yeah. At the very least, you know, chloroformed her and she's now naked in a closet somewhere. But still, still, so, so is Ethel a six foot two, like, you know, curly head? You know what I'm saying? Like, how much does he look like Ethel? It, it's Doris, by the way. Doris, sorry. Yeah. Doris. <laughs> Doris. <laughs> and the soundbite is, uh, how's the old man, Doris? Oh, bloody, bloody, lovely. <laughs> <laughs> Mumbly Welch. <laughs> <laughs> I have a follow-up question. Oh, go for it. So all the people in Global Chemical, so Global Chemical is presumably a Welsh-based company, this, this mine and, you know, so all the miners are Welsh. But not global chemicals. No, like the, they're really not Welsh. Yeah, that's what I'm, that was like. They're from the big smoke. Ironically, <laughs> are they not? I think. <laughs> so. No, this is it. I guess I was just like. So is every everyone in authority, including the guard, isn't very Welsh? Oh, I don't remember. Oh, the guy who's super rude to the doc when he pretends to be a milkman. Yeah, that is a shitty man. I yeah. hate that guy. Yeah. Why? That is not a w- decent way to treat your, your fellow citizens. At all. Certainly not senior citizens. Or just milkmen. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> treat your milkmen well, people, is what we're trying to say. Okay, we, we definitely need to talk about the whole global chemicals thing. So right. you're right. Okay. They're not Welsh. They're not Welsh. So the backdrop here is that, yes, mines were being closed. There was a whole, you know... Um, yeah. You know, it ravaged loads of communities in wales and and the north and for the north yeah exactly absolutely uh big sea change in social dynamics in all of those places towns were basically you know in similar way in in, that happened to america you know there's there's whole mining towns that are now but they are in some weird way being blamed for the mine shutting down i mean there is a demonstration outside of the global chemicals plant uh, where they're saying like, no, the reason, the fact that you're here is the reason why we have lost our jobs. Well, I think even at the time, and even you know, and I'm sure in in other, you know, other industries that have gone through similar things, it's often seen that the people that own the plant or own the steelworks or whatever continue to have made money. Yeah, you're right. In a, you know, yeah, uh, in a, whilst everyone else gets screwed. What I don't really understand is in the what's this? We're still in the 70s, aren't we? Yeah, roughly. Um, at the end of the oh yeah, yeah, no, like no, early to mid. Okay, I think well, three maybe. So why are all the Welsh miners from like the early nineteenth? Oh no, no, the, <laughs> the, the early twentieth century. <laughs> like why? <laughs> like, it seems like that. That like so the 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 people in suits or whatever are clearly in the modern age. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone else. Well, I just kind of assume that. I mean, the BBC is just generally saying Wales is a really backwards place. Like, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> like that's, what they're that saying. Is, that's what's happening. A hundred percent. Even from the first interaction with the milkman and the brig and Joe. Yeah. It's just like, look at these backwards motherfuckers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> really hard. For that scene, by the way, I've, I, I wrote down something which I think it just uh, outs me as a bit of a racist. Go. Like, all Welshmen look alike to me, basically. <laughs> no, all Welshmen look alike to the BBC. <laughs> But I also know why. But so my note was, is the miner also the milkman? So, <laughs> and I figured... Yes, that does work. And I figured it out later on. They're wearing the same jacket. And I think th- this is genuinely... I mean, 
So you'd find be, you'd be totally fooled by the like whole Superman Clark Kent thing. It's like, hang on, you've got a new, you know, these people are the same jacket. They must be exactly well, the same. Have, they have exactly the same haircut. They're wearing the exact same jacket, and it is the jacket that the Doctor then later on wears when he pretends to be the milkman. But I think that's like you can you can view that from the point of view of the production crew. They're like, well, I mean, what does it matter? They're all Welsh. Like, just we all get one jacket. Joe will have four wardrobe changes over six episodes. Every Welshman, you all share one jacket. Okay, slightly side note because I don't, I don't really know how to answer that. <laughs> but well, no is the answer. No, the milkman is not also the miner. As a proportion of the actors in this serial that are supposed to be Welsh. How many of them do you think are actually Welsh? I think a fair amount of them. Do you think so? Yeah, looking at the credits, the the surnames just looked... And in fact, the, a lot of them just seem related. What were the, the surnames? Oh, hang on. I'll, I'll dig some out one second. Because I feel like I can help you with the Welshness of surnames. Okay. Uh, so I want to see... We're going to play Welsh surname bingo, right? There's got to be a Williams, a Jenkins, a Jones. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Hang on. I need to find the, the credits. <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> Williams, Jenkins, and Jones, I think, are the big hairs. Okay, so we have um, Evans. Evans, yeah, yeah. Evans, that's a good one. And just to clarify, there are three Evanses <laughs> in, the, in the cast. That makes sense. Um, Evans is a good, strong Welsh name. <laughs> Thomas. Thomas. Yeah, Thomas, yeah, 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 I'll take Thomas. Okay. You need a Williams there's or a no, Jenkins. There's n- neither. The Milkman was played by Ray Handy. <laughs> 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 wink, wink. <laughs> that is not your real name, Ray. Who are you fooling with that, Ray? <laughs> uh, we have, um, uh, I mean, I, I would pronounce that Ray Handy. I can't do it. Handy, 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 Handy. If there's ever, ever, ever been a serial where we needed Drew, this is fucking it. <laughs> Neither of us can do a Welsh accent. Burgess. 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 I can't do it. Justice. I can't fucking <laughs> Okay, this is something that came up before we press record as well. Like, uh, one of the intro phrases of ours for this episode should have been, and a whole bunch of statements that end up questioning their own validity, because everything's just like, that's over there, isn't it? He's there, isn't he? I, I like think, this, don't I? <laughs> I think this is a Welsh stereotype that the BBC have created. <laughs> okay. That I'm not sure fully exists. I mean, there might be a bit of that, but I've never, you know, grandma, I've never associated that specific thing with Wales. I mean, if you cut out all of the sort of consequential questions mm. of the, the Welsh, well, maybe not actors, but characters, we would have a three-episode serial. Like, half yeah. of the dialogue is just questioning the other half. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was weird. And it, it basically just all smacked of, like, no one, you know, nobody at the BBC or in the production and, and or writing of this of, like, Ah, uh, we don't need to give a shit about what Welsh people yeah. <laughs> yeah. That said, I'm very happy that we are in Wales. Yes. As in, we're shooting there anyway. We finally get to use the Welsh quarry as a Welsh quarry. Like, you know, why not? So, um, um, a mine rather than quarry. Oh, mine. Um, sorry. Yeah, you're right. So what I, when we came into this, so the Green Death is all I knew. Mm-hmm. And then when it started, you know, there's a Welsh, Welsh mining, you know, uh, town yeah. or Welsh mine. I immediately thought Silurians. In oh. the same way that In Cold Bloods and the other bit that is you also just, in Wales recently and so just reviewed. Yeah. yeah. Is in Wales, in a mine. I thought that would be it. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. I thought Inferno. 
Do you remember in Inferno, there's like, I mean, I thought that this was going to be a very different episode than it, or serial than it ended up being. But when they drill down and someone turns up being bright green and, you know, neon, I just figured, oh, this is literally a rehash of the Inferno thing where we are drilling down to the center of the earth for no reason whatsoever, in brackets. And we've touched upon some substance down there that is now turning people into monsters slash bright green people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it kind of is. In a way, this is Inferno meets the War Machines. Ooh, yeah. Right? I didn't really even think about what like, Just, like, combine the two and you have this this episode. The only difference is that the bright green people, they don't they die as opposed to mutate into something else. Mm. Which would have been much more compelling then. Yeah. You had a question before we press record okay, as well. yeah, yeah. So I'm let's, get, let's go into this. This is going to... So I watched all six episodes yesterday yeah. in one sitting. Well done. Which, I mean, I've got to tell you, Podcast Land, it's not the way to go about this. I wanted to tell you, you look like you've aged. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With a slight green hue. Uh, <laughs> it's not the way to go about this. Take frequent breaks. Talk to your loved ones. Hold them tight. <laughs> <laughs> Space out your viewings is what I'm trying to say. So you tend to, when you watch like three and a half hours of Doctor Who... You miss things. Sure. Because your brain can, you know, shuts down and tries to process the last 20 minutes. Yeah, sure. Whatever. So the thing I've missed, <laughs> the really integral thing, and I never went, went back to try to rewatch it, is so the boss, the computer, the intelligence-like thing yeah. that is behind the whole nefarious plot. Yeah. Why does he need the maggots and the, then the like, fly, fly things? That's a fantastic question is that explained did i miss it um i think it's i think it's a coinkadink (laughs) (laughs) i I genuinely think this is just a coinkadink the the global chemicals is up to some nefarious shit as in like they're not as good for the environment as they purport to be obviously sure and the the whole maggot subplot which is i mean i call it a subplot it's about 75 percent of the serial (laughs) it it ends up being just a side effect of the main plot which is maybe 10 percent of the serial namely there's a computer in charge no see see and this is it who made the computer uh, people made it like it was. They probably just built a thing to ad, as an administrator, like mm. as a you know. Here's here's our software. Here's was the he, software that runs the place. And then of, it got too clever. There was a lot of probabilities in your explanation, yeah, <laughs> which is leading me to believe that actually there wasn't a really good explanation that I've missed. Oh, it wasn't at all. Okay, cool. <laughs> Boss or biomorphic organizational systems supervisor. <laughs> biomorphic? Biomorphic organizational systems supervisor. Okay, I'm right with all the words, but apart from biomorphic. Biomorphic, because it's hooked up to a person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't question this. <laughs> How dare you question this? So that there's, a <laughs> there's a bit in whatever, like episode four or five, when the doctor meets boss. Yeah. Where the, the boss computer says, you know, even my creators had a sense of humor when they named me. So mm. he clearly was intentionally made. Who, who, who made it? Why? Does it exist? <laughs> and, and they're like, so it, it's, a, it's, it's a total some, you know, it's raison d'etre is efficiency. Yeah. And to, to achieve that, it bid to become more inefficient. Yes. It was... Okay, so here's a... Uh, I haven't written down the soundbite, but I've written down a paraphrase uh, from episode five. I programmed Stevens to program me to be inefficient, and now my primary objective is efficiency. So, is, sorry, what was that, boss? <laughs> <laughs> Come again? Sorry, can I just... I mean... Do you mind me interjecting? Yeah, <laughs> sorry, this, I know, maybe it's my fault. I don't really understand what the fuck you're talking boss, about. Boss, I don't want to be that guy, yeah. but... <laughs> <laughs> what? 
So it, it seems as though, as I understand it, this biomorphic organizational systems something something is it was programmed to be hooked up to a human brain to I, I don't know like interact with fuck it I don't know man but anyway it was too clever it was inspired by the human brain it figured like oh people are more intuitive they're not computational in the way that a computer is so mm. I need to be less computational less rational get a compute get a human to make me less efficient and I'm going to assume that that makes me more efficient like more creative maybe that's what he's trying to say but he doesn't say that <laughs> He says efficient. But for some reason, this computer believes that people are more successful than computers. Right? Well, yeah, clearly, because he bids to become more like that. But then it... Uh, we keep saying he, don't we? It... Well, he uh, has a male voice. Yeah, true. Yeah. Um, but what's the fucking sum total of his aspirations? Because we, we, like, it's not malevolent. No, it is just the, the thriving, the financial <laughs> success of global chemicals. Like it's it's the you know like the three laws of robotics yeah yeah in this case there's just one law and it's it's just make, we want to make money make money 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 we were a little out of sync there but you get the gist podcast land yeah <laughs> we were just making it imaginary rain <laughs> in the studio <laughs> now okay fine so we've established that the maggots are what a side effect yeah so hmm. would it not want to get rid of the maggots? No, it seems to be aware of the maggots, right? And maybe even view them as some sort of distraction for unit. It's like, yeah, yeah, they're off over there bombing the maggots. It clearly knows that the maggots exist. It clearly knows that it's creating them. It knows that it will kill people. It's like, fine, keep them occupied. These maggots? Yeah. Where do they come from? Oh, here we go. (laughs) So I think that they are... Regular maggots that have been mutated oh, no, by the chemicals. Uh, yeah, the Professor Jones does actually say that. Because there's even a, when they're down in the mines, they see all the maggots in green sludge. Okay, this leads me to another point. All right. What is Professor Jones's area of expertise? Ah. Hmm. What sort of scientist is he? He got a Nobel Prize in... Finish the sentence. In... Economics. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> it might be economics, it might be chemistry, it might be... Like, we might have, be no, we be have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> he is the least likely Nobel laureate. <laughs> Literally for what? And also, you get a million pounds, roughly. Uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Is it? Yeah, I think that's something like that. What do you do with it? I feel like the, the Swedish Academy also tends to bake in a, a diplomatic factor into it like there's a there's a political element to the nobel prize not just a oh wow this guy discovered that mushrooms taste like meat he (laughs) you know it's also we're going to give this dude a prize because this is now in in like a focal point in media or because this is in the public consciousness etc exhibit a obama gets a peace prize before he's even had a chance to do the job Mm. but this guy the swedish academy would look at him and go like he might be super clever but he's a hippie who just causes a lot of trouble he doesn't respect authority. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't really seem to care about the greater good beyond the 20 people who live on his weird compound. And we don't know. He might be f***ing all of them. Yeah, that seems incredibly plausible. Oh, there's a, definitely a cult element yeah. to this thing. So I've got loads of Professor Jones questions. Okay. So the doctor does say to him, you wrote that paper about, I don't know, recombinant DNA something. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're uh, right. So that's why I was like, hang on, what sort of... 
Is he a geneticist or like... Maybe. Like, is he into nucleic acid research? Is he a chef? Is he he a conservationist because of his genetic, like, his hereditary work or what? Like, what the fuck does he do? (laughs) He's trying to cure world hunger. Which is that's a, his, which is fine, and that actually that that's like that, on a high level. That's his that's his objective. A lot of that makes sense. So he's some sort of genetic engineer, you know, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But then he seems to really give a shit about mining and geology and geomorphic concerns. Isn't that just also because he's a oh okay? I don't know about the latter, but the former. Isn't that just because he is himself Welsh? He's from this community, mm. and he's a good guy, so he cares about his fellow citizens. Okay, fair. It's like, oh, these are my friends. You know, I grew up around here, and these people are now losing their jobs in favour of something that I cannot abide by, namely pollution. Oh no, no, they they're re- they're getting their jobs back, and he wants to stop that. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> okay, more questions, Professor Jones. Let's so, is it dinner party? For Joe Oh, and, I and love Rick. that scene. It's hilarious. Now, if you throw a dinner party, yeah. do you just have other people not sat at the table? Yeah, yeah. You have a table that sits four people. Four people that is incredibly well set up yeah. for, a dinner, for dinner. And then you've got two of your friends in the background just chatting whilst yeah. you eat. Well, but they're, they're holding plates, I think. So they're, they're not allowed to sit at the they're table. Not to, well, you don't have enough room like you only have four chairs someone's doing yoga i was gonna say what one person doesn't just only not have a chair she is upside down <laughs> she's standing on her neck <laughs> this is my this is my problem with a commune right is that they don't they clearly don't have enough seating for everyone. <laughs> that's not the only thing you know that there is a really unhealthy musk in that room oh yeah uh, on top of which <laughs> he's clearly boning everyone or at, at least everyone wants to bone him why is the Brig the only one wearing a dinner jacket? Yeah, well, that's <laughs> no one seems to, even though they're like, oh, we're all about health and blah, 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 blah. No one seems to mind that he's smoking at the dinner table. No. Which, by the way, love that he's smoking at the dinner table. He's such a dude. <laughs> what was it blueberry wine as well? Or mulberry wine? Something like that, shit? yeah. Could I have a bottle? Like, yeah, cheeky, totally. doctor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do that. Next time I go around someone's house, I'm not. I'm going to refuse to sit at the table. I might do a bit of yoga. And I'm then you'll ask for a bottle gonna, of yeah, their finest yeah, wine. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, this one's great. Can I have two bottles, please? Uh, also, can you put this in a doggy bag? I don't need to like you people. I'm going to yeah. go home and drink the neat by myself. <laughs> also, has anyone got a light? Like, it's the shittiest dinner party. I really like that. I mean, a lot of people don't even really want to eat. There's one dude making a sculpture. What the fuck is he contributing to the world? Why are you here making... Like, he used to be... Doesn't he even say, like, oh, this guy used to be uh, an architect or something. He designed... Oh, no, he designed uh, a supersonic car or train no, or no, something? No, uh, planes. It's Plane. sonic planes. Yeah. Um, now he's making shitty artwork in the back room. Also, How is that benefiting society? <laughs> hey, Darren, Darren, can you quite... I mean, we got guests. Fuck yeah. me. Can you? <laughs> <laughs> Your chiseling is really putting me off my, like, mushroom and mulberry wine dinner. <laughs> I like how incredulous the brig is as well. It's like, this is not a mushroom. <laughs> it just does not buy it. He's <laughs> seen multiple aliases. <laughs> and a plant-based diet really freaks him out. <laughs> oh, I've, I've got a bagels question for you. Come. How would you rate bagels' mustache in this one? I feel like it's going downhill. I think he's going downhill. <laughs> Oh, so he's yeah, more of a so, bitch in this one, like, and there's a lot of slapstick as well. A lot of slapstick, a lot of um. Oh, oh, it's like, oh, the minister of ecology. It's like, <gasps> okay, yeah. I tell you, the minister of ecology. 
I'm not sure fucking exists. And if he does, he's definitely not part of the cabinet. No he's one gives not, a shit. He's <laughs> not sitting next to the prime minister who's just like, yeah, yeah, don't worry about it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm backing you. Yeah, I've also been like, oy vey, not the minister of ecology. Oh, my God. <laughs> Stella, will you get the minister of ecology on the phone, please? <laughs> on a par with the minister of sport. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> No one has ever given a fucking tuppenny halfpenny for... <laughs> a tuppenny halfpenny. I don't know. A tuppenny. A tuppenny or a, or a halfpenny. halfpenny. Yeah. A Both. Hapenny. A hapenny. A hapenny. Yeah. Hapenny. hapenny. <laughs> like, no one gives a shit is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that was one thing. Uh, so the ba- uh, bagels cannot... He He's a bitch. Yeah. This. There's an element of that translating across to Yates as well, because Yates... Mm. Part of this serial, he's almost James Bond. Like, like he's a gone, agent. Yeah. He's undercover. He's wearing a suit, like, as in like he's in civilian clothing. He looks badass, and he's clearly infiltrated the whole whatever global chemicals gang. Mm. But then there's that slapstick element where he gets Venusian Aikido'd by the doctor, and he's stumbling around like a clown, which really goes against it. Like, the, the two clash. And it's almost like the production team can't really decide. Do we want these? Do we want units to be a professional team, or do we want them to be just buffoons? Bumbly, yeah. Benton's the only one who comes up smiling in this one. Yeah, he's awesome. I have missed Unit, but I've not missed this iteration of Unit. I think this is what we get now. As in, I think there's uh, there's a comedic element to Unit, which they have now. Like the BBC has now discovered it, and that's what they're running with. Also, being left leaning. Yeah. So this is a very left wing. Serial, right? Oh, definitely. Right? It's gone super yeah. liberal. Yeah. Is this like a turning point where, where so unit hitherto, or like the military previously, have been in in a sort of post-war England, have been represented as, as in some way moral or, or at least, you know, part, of, you know, on the good side. Yeah, but also far more militant than they are in this one. Yeah. Now, are we going to flip here and oh. as like a thematic thing and like okay now doctor who is gonna have a bit of a liberal agenda i don't know i mean these are the 70s mm. so it it probably does translate into the script writing to a certain degree and also like the viewership is probably a little like there are more hippies in the audience now than there were in hartnell's days yeah so you have to cater to your audience there's a i mean i'm keen it's it's, it's cool to see some like, I love it. environmental you know yeah. um Conscious, and, and it's writing. really nice to have that now. Like, even if it's just uh, you know putting up a mirror to society at the time, it's like, all right, cool. So this is this is what the audience was going through at the time, and this, and consequently, what Doctor Who went through at the time. Presumably, in let's say two Doctors' time, it'll be slightly different, right? Mm. I quite like that. There's a um, parallel to a different serial that I uh, kept making in my head, namely, is it the Sir Lawrence? I want to say it's the Sir Lawrence, the one that ends with the Brigadier blowing. Yeah, yes, it is the, the Sir Lawrence. Lawrence. So he he follows orders, quote unquote, for the good of. I guess, Britain, not mankind, but like Britain. And he blows up the Silorians. At the very least, he caves in the entrance of their little compound, whatever the Silorians yeah. had, yeah. And at the time, we were both saying like, well, the That's doctor, up. that is completely crazy. He's like a war criminal, <laughs> but he was just following orders. And, and in this one, he very clearly says, I am a soldier. I do have a duty. I have to follow orders, but I don't have to agree with them. Mm. And they make, a, like, they make the point in this one that I wish they had made in the Silurians. Or they should have stuck to their guns and he was like, look, I'm a, you know... I'm, I'm a brigadier. I'm, board, like, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a fucking military man. Yeah. Well, yeah. actually, so back to the, the Minister of Ecology. Yeah, or go for it. So he rings up the Minister of Ecology <laughs> or whomever it is and he's like, oh, well, we're in a cabinet meeting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what are they discussing? 
I don't know. And who's next to him? <laughs> the secretary. Oh, I know there wasn't a secretary of state at the time, but like I know the deputy prime minister. Who knows? Um, but <laughs> now, no, no. See, my quid. So he goes. He goes. Well, actually, I answered to Geneva and the UN. Yeah. You know. This chapter says I helped draft that. It's like okay, cool. So you helped draft it, so you don't have to abide by it. Yeah. You, anyone that was in the room when it was, you know, was being drafted <laughs> can just interpret whatever the fuck they like about it. Oh, but it. he does say he does say that in in there, there's another sub clause that says that when you're like there are certain international rules, but if the circumstances call for it, the domestic laws will trump those international rules. And in this case, he considers the the circumstances to call for it, and therefore he's saying, no, no, you have to do what the Prime Minister says, so not what like the UN says. absolutely not what the UN's about. Uh, nope. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> sure. They're like a super national organisation where... That it shouldn't really work that way. Why, would, are, why would they all be together if your domestic laws could fucking trump? I, you know, it's like they baked, they they built in an automatic exception. It's like these are the rules, except if we don't like them. <laughs> now I feel like if you're going to do that, yeah. someone from the UN should know about it. Like, why you keep ringing up your fucking cabinet minister? Ring up Geneva. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> That's just my two cents. Um, if you work for Geneva. Talk to Geneva. <laughs> <laughs> we'll wait. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyhow. Um, okay, let's talk about the real big thing here. Oh, what's that? It's, it's Joe and, and Professor Jones. Uh, do you want a piece of trivia about that? Go on, hit me. All right, so Professor Jones, Professor Clifford Jones, mm. uh, was played by Clifford. Stuart Bevan. Ooh, Bevan? Bevan. <laughs> <laughs> Clifford Jones? I can't do it. Jones. <laughs> Stuart Bevan was Katie Manning's real-life boyfriend that, at the time of shooting this. Now, I absolutely had that in my head. They have fantastic chemistry. Oh, so good. So a couple of things. He keeps talking to Joe as if she's much younger than him. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's like, oh, you stupid kid. And so at the dinner party, <laughs> she's crying a lot because the minor died. Yeah. Uh, and that's the way. I like that little bit of his. Yeah, He's I like, do. There will never be another man like him. It was lovely. He's very yeah. now, new who. Yeah, I guess That's so. some shit Tenant would say. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. Um, so that was kind of, it was actually weirdly moving. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, he chooses that moment while she was emotionally vulnerable to make his, to shoot his shot. Oh. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Uncool, Cliff. <laughs> the doctor <laughs> cock blocks. Super hard. Yes. In my notes, episode three, why does Doc cock block Professor Jones? He why? knows what he's up to. Oh, yeah, but it, I mean, is it, he just afraid of losing his companion? The doc needs to be better. Be a better human. If she wants to fuck, she wants, you know, Oh, screw you. fucking racist. He's not a human to begin with. I'm kidding. Yeah, I mean. But, but yeah, no, I agree. There's, there's a particular scene when they're in front of the fire. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, when they're that, by the fireplace. Way. And Jones is a hundred percent. He's like, I mean, we're going to bone down in a second. Yeah, too. Doc, for no reason whatsoever, drags him out of the room. No reason. What a bastard. Hmm. And also, he must have kept him occupied for quite some time, because otherwise, Jones would just have gone, yeah, yeah, over there. That's where the thing is that well, you're looking no, for, and then come back. In and fact, he, he has to say, he's like, oh, good night, Joe, you know, because of the doctor's taking him away for so long. Now, that's some fucked up shit. Yeah. But it also, is, it's nice. It builds to this sort of thing. The, when, I, when I thought they, they wouldn't, so I was like, okay, it's building up to her staying and being part of. Yeah. It's when um, he's an absolute dictator. Oh, when? In the, when he, she Jones. spills the fungus. Oh, yeah, that's, he's rude. He's a, he's a dick. Like, why would you want to be with this man? <laughs> so, why would you, like, 
14 hours later want to marry this man oh fuck me let's not do okay, that okay okay that's but, next, next so, step, so next he, step. He spills the fungus, <laughs> she spills the fungus on the slides or whatever which leads him to his um you know his uh Fleming moment uh the you know wait when so she spills fungus, uh, you know, the, the not fungus, yeah, fungus, but like the mushroom shit on. Oh, yes, because that's the serendipity. Yeah, 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 yeah. Serendipity. exactly, exactly. Sorry, um, sorry. And he goes, well, oh, just stand over there. And she's like, oh, shall I make you a coffee like a good little tea girl or something? Yeah. And she's like, yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you want a cup of arsenic? Yeah, yeah, whatever. And then she's like, yeah. she'll wear a penny. And she's like, oh, so she writes something down and then fucks off. Yeah. And she goes to get him a maggot. And he's like, I thought this she'd write down, you know what, buddy? Fuck you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'd paid you as a better man. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought it was one of those where, you know, guys do, do the virtual signaling, act like they're good people, and then are absolute dicks, because all they're trying to do is get in your pants. And Yeah, and then maybe, that, and that would have been so much better, by the way, and then maybe he would then have read the note and gone, you know what, I could be a better man. Yeah. And then he would prove himself and sort of remedy his behavior, and that's why she would then want to stay with him. But the roller coaster is, and it's not Instead a bad it's, roller coaster. It, well. I mean, it's not great that the fact that she wants to be independent is executed so ineptly, then lands her into trouble, which only that same man can save her from. That's true. I thought he died as well. Oh, really? Well, because... He couldn't have died because he was also the one who discovered the... What's it called? I thought that they would find that discover... uh, His discovery somehow, like, they'd go back to the lab and he'll be able to know to Is it... Is it... Oh, sorry, I'm interrupting you. Go for it. Well, just that he died. I thought, oh, fuck me, that's brutal as well. Like, she had this, like, dalliance and it's going to be a, you know, a a sort of... There's going to be a lot of pathos and it's going to be brutal. Because... And the reason I felt this is the absolutely cold suicide scene. Oh... That really fucked with me, man. That was for children. Yeah, like he's just—he's running to a railing and throws himself off. And there's no music, so that's a weird. We thing. just hear him screaming, and and then the, you know, and there's sort of and cop, there's random two coppers there. Yeah, I thought that was going to end up being different as well. When when they show up at his body, like Doc and what's his face, they're looking down from mm. the same railing where the guy has just thrown himself to his death. They see the two cops, and I was sure those two cops were going to look up at them yeah. and go like, oh, they so, threw him over. But they don't. It's just like, we got another one, Steve, you know. <laughs> and, you know, the boss thing, it's just so fucking sinister. And you kind of think, well, I don't know. That was, I can see why for other people that might be quite a triggering moment. Yeah. That was brutal. Yeah. So so basically, that brutality in the writing, yeah. and there was no, like, like, everyone was just sad for a second, and then boom, it cuts to the dinner party, I think. Um, oh, really? Yeah, it was really jarring. So that's why I thought maybe they'll kill off Professor Jones, because apparently we're cool with that, you know, with that level of brutality. I didn't think so, because at that point I was... I mean, A, I assumed, well, he's going to be... he's They're going to have to keep him alive because he's discovered the cure. So he's going to have to be brought back, then he will administer the cure and everyone will be fine. Mm. Put a pin in that. Let's talk about that as well. And the second thing was... At that point, I had already resigned myself to the fact that, okay, Joe is going to leave to go to the rainforest with this chap. And if he's dead, she's not going to pick up his research where he left off. She's only going to do that if she's doing it with him. But the the thing about him having found the cure, what really bothered me was that he makes this discovery. Fine, serendipitous, but regardless, he makes this discovery. He goes into a coma of sorts. The doctor makes the same discovery. The doctor gets the, the glory. He administers the cure. And then the guy wakes up and the doc's like, Oh, yeah, he did the same thing. <laughs> oh, yeah, because the maggot in the kitchen. Yeah, exactly. Hey, the mushroom, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, it, <laughs> it's just like, 
Jesus Christ. Do, is the doctor, like, does he, does his ego need to be stroked at all times? Can you not allow anyone else to, you know, do anything? I mean... Even Welsh Morticia Adams got to administer, like, you know, turn it into liquid. I mean, what would have been even better is, because, I mean, really, it was Joe's hand that... That's the serendipity, is Joe. Yeah. So she gets some credit. But she doesn't. Exactly. Fucked up. I don't know. Basically, what I would say in there. So, they're, 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 you know, I, and actually, when I thought he was dead, I was quite sad. I was like, oh, okay, you, you know, uh, Joe won't have a... Have a partner. Mm. Have a reason to leave. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I never bought him as dead. So oh, well, I can't really answer to that. Another Professor Jones point, we touched upon it before. They are going to get married. <laughs> and it's not like he asks for her hand in marriage. He's like, well, I mean, we're going to go to the Amazon and we're going to get married. She's like, what? What the, what the fuck? <laughs> A man has made this decision for me? Sure. How do you feel about that, Nick? As a man who's about to get married. Awful. <laughs> Awful. <laughs> Awful that that was a plausible storyline for anyone, for any yeah. woman in the 70s. Just seems like this fait accompli of mm. fucking of, of matrimony seems just, you know, general patriarchy. It's awful. Um, now, and also, just, you know, as a person, you don't know this fucking dude that well. You have known him for maybe two days. Maybe. Maybe. We are aware and some of, of it, one he was unconscious. Pass- yeah. And we are aware of only one night passing, I think, during this whole serial. There's a whole thing about um, people that meet each other in, like, exceptional circumstances. Yeah, like- it's the Keanu Reeves-Sandra Bullock effect. Exactly. Speed. Yes. Yeah. Or, like... Which means weirdly, that they're going to be... think of that. That's my example when yeah. I think of this. <laughs> Why is that? That's weird. Because at the end of the episode, or episode, at the end of Speed, Sandra Bullock says, you know that guys who oh, okay. uh, meet up under these circumstances, their relationships never... Actually, maybe Keanu says that. Who cares? Mm. But following that principle, you know that they are on their... They have just gotten on a boat... Going down the Amazon River, divorce. Yeah, that's it. And now you're stuck there. So like, we haven't, we haven't really talked about. Oh, I'm super into golden showers. That's cool, right? <laughs> I mean, we don't know anything about each other, <laughs> right? Yeah, it could be anything. Exactly. It's mind-boggling. The only thing, it just this just dawned on me that the fact that they were actually a couple in real life. Mm. I imagine that Katie Manning was, and in fact, everyone—not everyone, but I mean—but we obviously. Uh, Courtney, as in bagels, and I'm assuming Manning were celebrities, right? So people mm. knew about them. So I wonder if people watching this in 1973 knew that Katie Manning was playing opposite her real life partner, and that maybe that was that sort of gave them an allowance to exaggerate this romantic development. You know, like imagine that. Posh Spice ends up being the companion of the week or something, and then David Beckham shows up. They only hang out for two hours yeah. in showtime, and then they get married at the end of it. It's hard to I can say. See that it's happening. hard to say because obviously through modern eyes or through you know nineties, two thousand, twenty tens eyes, yeah, you know the availability of that sort of gossip and salaciousness is is through the roof, right? Now, sure. Yeah, I don't know what it was like in the seventies. It'd be good to hear from one of some of our um, listeners that were around at the time. Yeah. As to how how much that was in the ether. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Mm. I wonder if that was part of the public consciousness. Like, oh, yeah, here's an actual couple. Mm. Hmm. Anyway. Bit of pressure, though, isn't it? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. I've, got, I've got another question for you. Go on. What the hell was up with the Doctor's Blue Planet subplot? He needs a sapphire, man. Yeah. I want more of that. <laughs> I, I, I wanted to stay on that planet forever. Why was he going in the first place? 
he d- he wanted to get a sapphire, and he seemed to think that that place was a very different location because <laughs> he was like, "Hey, Joe, do you want to go to this great blue planet? We might even strike gold, as in like we might even strike sapphire." And then he's being chased by some huge eagle or something. We get to see the massive mm. talons. Uh, there are spears being thrown at him. There's some sort of tentacle like yeah. whipping at him. It is not a nice place. Like Joe would have left if they had gone there. She would have just, if she had even survived, yeah. she would have gone, done. No more adventures. I do not trust you. But the sapphires were a lovely deus ex machina. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> how do we deprogram this? Look at the sapphire. How do we- also, wait, hang on. He gives her the sapphire as a wedding present. Is it that fucked up? Here's your mind-controlling sapphire. Here's your mind-wiping. Mind-wiping sapphire, which also is symbolic of the adventure that you refused to go on with me. He's a dick. That is some passive-aggressive shit. That's like some gaslighting shit, because you can, like, you know, oh, here you go, look at it. Oh, who you forgot in your husband. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, there's there's that possibility. Or there's, like, here's, it's nice and sparkly, but it's also symbolic of your treachery. Happy engagement! <laughs> or symbolic of my always total control over you. I'm telling yeah. you, I'm going to pop back and fuck up your life. Exactly. Oh, this is this is some manipulative, dark, like uh, bizarro universe Darren Brown nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. It was the, the blue planet thing was weird. I can sort of see why they needed it, but as a plot device, I'm sure you could have come up with something much easier. But I think the first thing of him going to the blue planet, what's yeah. it called? I can't remember. Mephisto, I, Mephisto no, I 3 or some shit? Um, Mephisto 3. <laughs> I like it. Uh, and We'll just call it that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and and Joe not wanting to go is the bigger symbolism there, right? Yeah. Yeah, true. Before we move on to the next point, can I throw in a little soundbite? Mm-hmm. This is from episode four, Benton, two minutes, 30 seconds. Come on, dicks, get a move on. <laughs> Come on, dicks. <laughs> Guys are such dicks. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Oh, and another soundbite as well. Also, episode four, 15 minutes in. Do you remember in uh, the demons or the demons? Mm. When it's like, oh, five rounds rapid. Ten rounds rapid. Ten rounds rapids. All right, we'll try AP bullets. Give them ten rounds rapid. Sir. <laughs> love it. I love how aware of their own meme ability yeah. they were in the 70s. Yeah, I, I, I love that as well. I, I did, however, observe that the guy only fires nine rounds and most of them miss. <laughs> <laughs> Court Martial. <laughs> like, How did you feel about the Sonic being used in this serial? So it was used to do a big high pitch thing to to move the maggots on. Yeah. Also to open doors. Yeah. And something else I can't remember what it was. He certainly uses it like, oh, how do I gain gain access to this locked door? In. I don't think his Drew levels have upset no, with it. No, I, well, I'm not upset at all. I don't. I'm not. I don't get upset in New Who when he does that either, unless he does it 50 million times. But yeah, I don't know. Seemed all right. It feels like it. It is a step in the direction of um, its role in New Who, yeah, though. Yeah. Right. Okay. Here's another question for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless, oh, sorry. No, no. Do you no, want no, no, to go? Okay. So in episode four, what's his name? It, well, Boss gets his top dude to send his top dude to collect the egg. Yeah. Number two shows up. The The egg has hatched. The maggot is on its way to kill Joe, but instead kills him and escapes out. Like, not escapes. Like, just slithers out of the house. At this point, the doc goes to Welsh Morticia Adams and says, uh, quick, go outside and check where it's, where it's heading and then come back and tell me. <laughs> Why? Is that how you... Like, wh- what? 
He's like, oh, well, I went out there and I saw that it like, hitched a ride with a van going down the road, like, westward. That's not how it works. It's an animal that's going into, the na- into nature. Like, what, what, what kind of details do you want? Well, also, at some point, I it's a different one. No, 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 it was the same maggot. It leaves a trail of green jelly. Yeah, just follow that. Of, like, clearly, like, apple-flavored jelly. Bingo. Yes, exactly. Oh, I was thinking mint. But okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel like neither of those flavors of jelly exist. <laughs> but, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just green, isn't it? How do you feel about the fly? Oh, that was so shit. Oh, how dare you? I loved it. Well, mostly because... Did you realize its size when it was killed? No. I thought it was huge. And, and it ended up being Also, like... why did it die? I'm not... It got a blanket thrown over it. Or no, or it, a got, coat it's, or it got its coat. I feel like that's it. That's it. It's it's like a well. I mean, you try throwing a coat on a fly, see if it survives. Yeah, no, a coat that's relative to the fly size, yeah. so like a tiny <laughs> bit of fabric. I feel like it'll be fine. Shrug that shit off. I don't know, man. <laughs> I didn't write this. <laughs> I need fucking answers, Leon. <laughs> but I loved that fly. The only thing that I found baffling was that it ended up being much smaller than I at first expected. It seemed like it was the size of a mountain when it first appeared. Mm. And then, or, you know, the hill that it crawled over. And then, actually, it's just like maybe a meter in, in length. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty big for a fly, but ugh, not super impressed. <laughs> I didn't, yeah, the size didn't bother me as much, but it was just weird. And also, it's coming in for attack, just slightly dark. Yeah. And then it splooges over the windscreen. Yeah. Oh, what was up with that? Is that poison? Is that's that? I think that's the same sort of poisony shit that the oh. the maggots were producing. Okay. But it's just a stupid fl- Like, you know, so it's coming in from the side, it doesn't do anything, it splooges on the windscreen, that's it. And then the coat kills it. it I feel like I'm not that worried about this. Oh, Super race of bullshit flies. In an alternate dimension, the doc was killed by that splooge. And per your initial theory, Professor Jones hit his head and actually died. Or maybe, like, loses his entire memory. He's now in no way knowledgeable as far as fungus is concerned, or fungi. Now maggots and flies have taken over the world. Like, we have a Dalek invasion of Earth-level post-apocalyptic society where mankind lives in tunnels for fear of the flies that roam outside. Now, that would see, be awesome. And then, and then someone will come up with the world's largest coat. <laughs> <laughs> Flashers of the world yeah. unite. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's go time. <laughs> Grab your trench coat. <laughs> I quite, I, I liked it. Mm. Anything else you want to talk about? Anything in particular? No, just the 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 baffling difference between the boss, its intention, and the fly maggot thing. I mean, presumably the boss knows that the maggots aren't also efficient for its its money-making purposes. Like, shareholders don't like the fact that yeah, that's that's a good point. Once society figures out that there's a connection between the two, then yeah, share prices are going to plummet, and. boss seems to be fairly unaffected by this but in general it's like yeah it's no concern of mine i'll say the stupid riddle that um which riddle the doctor gives him a riddle doesn't he like oh the next statement i'm gonna say is true but if i say the last thing was a lie or something it's like i'm thinking i'm you know i'll work this out Mm, yes i'll work this out it's like who programmed you to have such a shitty yeah voice yeah exactly it's in the same vein of uh, i wrote down i hate it when boss sings mm. i don't like that element of like but you are a computer at heart like quote unquote at heart like at the core you are just a collection of ones and zeros 
why can't you just put these two statements against each other and figure out if it's well at one point it says well the two statements are incompatible boom done yeah don't worry about it but it's the haven't we had i feel like we've had this with cybermen at some point or yeah. some or maybe maybe it was voltan like oh if you if you tell a riddle that's complex enough then a computer will just like fry its brain well see the computer so this is the thing the boss a boss is inefficient in the way it's got some of like human yeah. creativity or whatever it's whatever really it is hard to, yeah explain that yeah but surely it'll go actually don't need to worry about uh, this. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. Great. Nice riddle, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> nice one. Now we're going to kill you. <laughs> yeah. Four quick notes. Four quick notes. Okay. <laughs> rapid fire. Rapid, four, four. four questions rapid. <laughs> okay. Number one, a sound bite. This is episode two, 10 minutes, 40 seconds. I quite like this line. Your paper on DNA synthesis was quite remarkable for your age. A promising youngster, huh? No, no, no. I mean for the age that you live in. That's a really nice That's line. really good. Next up... Also soundbite, episode 2, 1540. Venusian Aikido, gentlemen. I do hope I haven't hurt you. We've had this conversation before because I remembered it being Aikido. You remembered it being karate. This is proof it's both. (laughs) (laughs) Venusians are really keen on Japanese words. Exactly. (laughs) Because the last time he did something like this, it was Venusian karate. Now it's Venusian Aikido. Are we to believe that then in some way Venusians had influenced Japanese martial arts or the other way around? Or is it? Oh, I don't know. Or is it just like they had their own martial arts, the doctor experienced both, learned both, and then went like, this is quite similar to karate. I'm They're just going to really refer to it as yeah, karate. And I don't know. I have no idea either. Anyway, there's that. Again, episode two, there is a bit when he and, I want to say he and Joe, are uh, crawling through. No, it's he, uh, the doctor and the other Welshman, like the little minor. <laughs> the little minor, you know, as opposed to the big The minor minor. minor. Yeah. <laughs> They're crawling through a tunnel. And the doctor holds on to like, a plank on the side and just wobbles. And he looks at it's like, oh, shit, I'm going to bring down the whole mine. I swear to God, that must have been unintentional. Like, I think that's just bad prop building. <laughs> <laughs> I love that bit. My last point anyway, and this was my first note for episode two. I love how many English teeth there are in, the, are in this serial. <laughs> <laughs> because the minor miner in particular, I think he has fake buck teeth yeah and you can even see his bad teeth behind those buck teeth <laughs> it is great <laughs> look welsh miners have teeth that are structured quite a lot like great white sharks where there's <laughs> a front row of lots of rows <laughs> <laughs> and now it is time to rate this did we laugh or hate this bing bong bing bong hey la 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 ratings yeah so <laughs> Weirdly, the, do you know the plot that really did hold this all together for me was Professor Jones oh, and, Jones. and, and Joe. I, yeah, I think it was a bit of a coming of age. I like the fact that she left the Doctor and it's a whole new world. I don't necessarily love the whole, um, you know, submissive aspect to Joe, but that isn't necessarily uh, counter to her the general personality through since we met her. Sure. Um, so I don't know, and I was quite moved by him a little bit. Uh, he's a great guy apart from when he's a dick but then i actually quite like that he's a flawed person you know like if he was just a hero that would be less compelling so yeah that all held it together for me the doc was actually relatively ineffectual other than just stealing credit for shit Um, (laughs) and you know the boss was a cool concept if Mm. yeah anyway so all together actually i'm going to give this a really strong 3.2 oh Mm. okay Mm. i'm going higher than that yeah i also want to say something else which just dawned on me the just to add even more weirdness to the pseudo-sexual relationship between 
Joe and the Doc, mm-hmm. she tells Doc, oh, Professor Jones really reminds me of a younger version of you. Which, I mean, how long have you known the, the Doctor? And uh, for a long time. And you've, but she seems to be familiar with Jones from before. Like, she read a headline about Jones. No, 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 I mean, there. yeah, but the Doctor, which said, it reminds me of a younger version of you. It's like, you don't know a younger version of me. You've known me for like a couple of years. I think it's just like, Doctor, I am incredibly attracted to you, but for various social reasons, we can't bond down because you are an older gentleman. This guy, however, is based, he's the second best thing. He's you with fewer wrinkles and less baggage, yeah. as far as I'm aware. Anyway, yeah, okay. I loved this episode or this serial. I thought it was incredibly good. I think it was a, a strong episode for Joe to go out on, even though there are, as you said, and as we discussed before, there are certain elements of her behavior that maybe, eh, maybe she could have had, had a little bit more agency, a little bit more oomph and a little bit more just competence, mm-hmm. you know, but at the very least, she is very independent. And in, in fact, that's the culmination of this. She expresses her independence by going away from the doctor. Only pulling it down for the slapstick from uh, on the side of units, the massive gap in my understanding as far as how does the main plot connect with the subplot. I'm so glad you came up, you felt the way, because on the way here, I was like, man, I'm the worst reviewer of anything. <laughs> I watched all six episodes and I still don't fucking know. Like, uh, so I've either clearly, my mind wandered and I've missed things or... It's just- a coinkadink, just like the blue sapphire, the, the alien sapphire is a coinkadink. I mean, it was just meant to be a sapphire, but then it turns out also to be a mind wiper, which also seems to be completely, completely compatible with the kind of mind washing technique that the boss has. And the general time frame. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And also, why does the... Wait, hang on. Why does the Doctor come back exactly like the the amount of time that he spent on the Blue Planet later on Earth? Why doesn't he just come back the same instant he disappeared? Doesn't he even say to Joe, oh, wait, wait, hang on, here we go. Because shut up, that's why. Story checks out. (laughs) He even says to Joe, like, we've got a time machine, we can go anywhere you like, we'll be back and we'll see Jones afterwards. Mm. He doesn't do that. It's like, fuck it, my timeline advances. Anyway, and so does yours. Uh, All right, but I like this. I like it as a rehash of uh, War Machines meets Inferno. I'm giving this a 3.7. Oh, strong. Yeah. Now let's hear from Podcast Land. Max 250, or it would get out of hand. Okie dokie. First up, my cool Ridgeway. 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 (laughs) Hello, Michael. So, Michael writes, the biggest threat to Britain's mining community pre-Thatcher. Things I liked. Aikido. Awesomely grotesque maggots and loony evil computer. The comedy Metabolist 3 montage. Not not one, but two hilariously terrible doctor disguises. (laughs) This story would have a darker edge if the naked bodies of the milkmen and Doris turned up in a Yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Spot on, Michael. It's already pretty fucking dark, but yes, absolutely. (laughs) Okay, number five. The brigadier at the hippie diner in black tie. Kurt Ching. Yes. Beefs. (laughs) Number one. uh, Professor Grumpy Stupid Hair and his merry band of pretentious losers. I always had a crush on Joe, so I think I'm just jealous of Cliff. But that scene with his crew banging their drums and being weird during the dinner made me want to hurt them all with a hammer. (laughs) (laughs) Number two, Bert's death. Why, God, why? (laughs) Number three, nice secret undercover identity, Mike Yates, (laughs) if that's your real name. (laughs) Oh, right, it is. (laughs) (laughs) And number four, Joe Grant, you heartbreaker, you. Mm. Fun fact. 
Joe returns in the episode of the Sarah Jane Adventures, also featuring the 11th Doctor. Shit, I did not know that. Uh, I read that in the trivia, and there's further trivia to that. I've not seen that episode. I've never seen Sarah Jane Adventures. But in that episode, the Doctor is accompanied by a married couple, and Joe expresses regret that, oh, so it's okay for you to travel with married people now, but it wasn't okay when I was getting married to Joe. Uh, Not Joe. uh, Jones. Jones. Yeah. Yeah. Bitter, 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 bitter. Michael... This summarizes, in summary, wonderfully gross eco-horror, regularly touted as the last serial of the unit family. Oh, but there are still a few awesome unit stories to come, including eerie fourth Doctor serial, Terror of the Zygons, and the Brigadier's finest hour in Bonkers' seventh, adv- seventh Doctor adventure, Battlefield, where he takes on baddies from King Arthur. He gives this 4.1 out of 5. Squiggly, squirmy, maggots, yuck. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Thank you very much, Michael. Okay, next one's up for, for Paul Faubus. Hello, yes. Paul. Paul gives a really good synopsis of the whole thing with some interesting tidbits. Connections. Yeah, yeah, there's all, there's all sorts. There's lots of good, uh, you know, good callbacks in there. So definitely read it on whobackwhen.com. And uh, say hi to Paul online. He is at WordsmithPaul. Hello, Paul. <laughs> next up is Peter Zunich. Hello, up? Peter. <laughs> so, Peter writes, Greetings from the Nut Hutch. That place where we shrooms play with glow-in-the-dark paints hallucinate that we were seeing giant worms and voices in our heads to tell us to do bad things. Yes, that's right. We arrived in Allegory Town, UK. What a splendid time we're having. <laughs> the, the story is great, even if it does cram its message down the throats of viewers harder than Inferno. It's one enjoyable ride portrayed by great acting and characters we care about. The dialogue is intense and the debates are well presented. Both the directing and editing are outstanding. Yates is superb in his undercover role. The mine workers, GC employees and whole wheel players are excellent supporters. And even the boss, who to me is an unnecessary character, is still incredibly realised. The maggots are just as intimidating as any other monster of the week and were very well animated. They were. Uh, The downsides, says Peter, Benton has little to do. The fly! The five-person protest march causing an all-hands alarm. Yeah. Too many breaking into global chemical scenes and the mind lift wheels being the go-to shot when there's nothing else to cut to. Joe's departure is well handled and we are reminded of the Doctor's loneliness without a single word of dialogue on the subject. Mm. Yet, as Nancy says in episode five, there's plenty of fungus in the, other, in the outhouse. <laughs> <laughs> and Joe's leaving means we're making room for Sarah Jane's arrival. Mm. This story earned an exploding maggots on the slag heap. Four point three. Holy smokeroonies and cheesecakes. Thank you very much, Peter. Oh, yeah. All right, next up. You uh, about to get blessed. <laughs> Trenton. Yes, it now, is Trenton blessed. Oh, hello, Trenton. I've got to tell you, Trenton, whilst uh, we're always happy to, to, to get your, your slightly overall word limit. Oh, 336 words. Oh. You have been warned. <laughs> Strike one, Trenton. <laughs> right, Trenton writes, as season 10 drew to a close, we were treated to the, the green death, Joe's final story, travelling with the third Doctor. What a brilliant farewell it was. The maggots were handled brilliantly, even though some of them were in fact inflated condoms, though you can't really tell. The way people died in the story almost reminded me of how people died in the Crimson Horror from Series 3 of the new series. The victims turn a strange colour and are found dead like that, and it's all caused by toxic bug-like creatures, so it won't be the last time a concept like this is used. 
The environmental message is all right, and I don't think the whole thing with the Metabalis 3 was intended to affect what could happen later in Season 11. We'll get there eventually. The big thing, though, is the huge use of CSO, creepy green screen type stuff. I've added the creepy. He didn't say creepy. Green screen type stuff. (laughs) Was absolutely terrible at times. I know the money was gone by then, but is this the best you got? Really? I quite like that effect, by the way. Naff as it looks, I really enjoy it. Trenton goes on. I want to talk about Joel's exit for a moment. I'd say it's one of the best companion exits ever. You can tell the Doctor is saddened by her going off to the Amazon with her new fiancé. The Doctor hasn't been hit this hard by companion exits since he left Susan behind in the Dalek invasion of Earth. An interesting thing to note is that the person who played her soon-to-be husband, Stuart Bevan, was actually engaged to Katie Manning at the time. They sadly separated one year later. So what do I give this story? For the companion exit and the overall story alone, it's already earned a three. Mm. It gets a few bonus points for the maggots looking halfway decent and the ending where the Doctor quietly slips away and rides Bessie into the sunset. So with season 10 of the classic series at an end, I give this story a 3.85. Do we do two decimal points? 3.9. 3.9. <laughs> Giant green maggots out of five. Oh, Nice one. Thank you very much, Trenton, uh, people of podcast land. Follow Trenton online. He is at Trenton Bless. That's Bless with two. What's Nick? S. That's right. <laughs> Next up is Arthur. Uh, Arthur, fuck's sake. Arthur Fukushiki. That's the guy. <laughs> Hello there. Arthur writes. It was nice to have Joe repeat her initial clumsy scene with the Doctor when she first meets her future husband, Professor Non-Bumbletron. <gasps> he wasn't Bumbletron, eh? He so, wasn't, yeah, no. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. And that's why we didn't call him Professor Bumbletron. Uh, high five. <laughs> high five for being the first person to use Professor Bumbletron outside of this room. <laughs> outside of me. <laughs> it's going to be a thing. Her whole departure is, a, is dealt with rather well. And the conclusion provides the podcast with another weepy ending for a second week running. Barry Letts likes to explore topical issues and or approach stories in a relatively adult manner. In this serial, we have both, as the show deals with serious environmental concerns. It may also serve as a commentary on society's impending reliance on technology. Let's also tends to allow too much stereotyping, and this can become a little irritating, especially if people <laughs> were expected to take these topics seriously. Nevertheless, it was enjoyable to see the Brig holding his own at what looked like turning into anything goes beatnik party. Having lived in South Wales myself, I can safely say that I have never heard anyone say boyo, <laughs> boyo, 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 <laughs> unless they were from England and taking the piss. Fair point, boyo. Yeah. <laughs> McGuffin Bells 3 <laughs> seems like a curious place. Jazz mood sunsets constri- uh, contrasting with killer squids, giant crows, people that throw things at you, and a snake. <laughs> forgot about the snake. Never forget about the snake. That's all we got, baby. He goes on, I enjoy this, but I have some questions. What happened to that guy with the glasses? He just disappeared halfway through. Yeah, he was good as well. Why was Yates upset at losing Joe? He had his chance. About a million of them, actually. <laughs> Why didn't the doctor just pull the plug out of the computer? If this place was going to blow anyway, why did Stephen stay behind to deactivate Boss 9000? And he gives us a rating of... 4.0. Nice one. Nice one. There's a bit of a theme here. Everyone's got, like, major problems with it, but everyone's kind of loving it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The guy with the glasses who disappeared halfway through, I think this is the chap, there was a mention in Ontario's Wikia that one of the actors uh, fell ill during the production oh. and they had to rewrite it to have another one of the like 
global criminal stooges. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Play both parts. Mm-hmm. So that's probably the the chap that you're thinking of, um, Arthur. Oh, 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 wait, wait, wait. Uh-huh. Another note. Actually, this is about Trentons. I forgot to say this. Uh, according to Todd's Wikia, they were not made of condoms. That mm. is like a myth. Uh, Todd's Wikia has this weird section that says like, oh, here are popular misconceptions. Mm. And one of them was that they were made out of condoms. In actual uh, fact, they were made out of just like balloons or some nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. And lastly. <laughs> lastly. Matthew Dennison. No, no, no. Matthew <laughs> Dennison. I insist. <laughs> Matthew. <laughs> Hello, Matthew. It's my favourite thing in the world. <laughs> Matthew writes, Often referred to as the one with the maggots, the Green Death is an Wonder enjoyable why. and memorable story, if a little disjointed. It feels like two ideas welded together with a heartless corporation causing an environmental disaster while a sassy computer attempts to take over the world. <laughs> the former gets explored in more detail and feels like the bigger threat, while Boss just seems like an afterthought, something getting in the Doctor's way as he tries to deal with the maggots. Once they're killed off, defeating Boss feels like a rushed formality. As much as I loved his interactions with Steven, removing Boss and cutting two episodes could have made this into a classic. I mean, he is a sassy computer, that's right. (laughs) It picks up again for the final five minutes as Joe makes her departure. She got to leave as she arrived, annoying a scientist with her bumbling before winning him over with her charm. As a character, she had her ups and downs, but her rapport with the Doctor and unit will be missed. The Doctor was a bit too prissy about her leaving, though. Some random complaints. The CSO is dreadful and completely unnecessary. And why are the miners also suicidal? <laughs> Luminous goo and the same shade of green as my dead mate? I'll have a handful of that. <laughs> I feel bad not giving the story where the brigadier drives a convertible with a blonde at his side and dines at a hippie commune in full evening where anything less than a five. But I'll have to go for a solid 3.5. Nice one. Gorgeous. <laughs> now, I think that's, that's a great array of, of opinions on this one. Pretty awesome. Uh, thank you, everyone, for sending in your minis. Bing bong, future pumpkin here. We did, in fact, receive one more listener mini, and I was actually going to unpack the studio anyway for a future punk. Uh, let's put a pin in that. I'm going to get back to that in just a second. So, obviously, I'm going to record this mini as well. This one comes from legendary Hoovian, SGamer82, a.k.a. Steven, 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 Steven. <laughs> it has been a while since I sang the Steven jingle. Steven, nice to have you aboard again. Steven writes, This is the one that proves Joe Grant can never meet a scientist without ruining his experiments. God help us all if she ever meets Menza. Aww. Unlike a lot of the six-episode serials, I didn't feel a sense of padding I often get. Some plodding, but overall I'm not inclined to complain. Watching Joe and Professor Jones get close was enjoyable, yet given his attitude and comparisons to the Doctor, it left me wondering occasionally if this was a way to set Joe up with the Doctor without actually setting Joe up with the Doctor. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I may have cut that out in post, but yeah, we definitely had that conversation as well. Stephen goes on, episode four and the Doctor, Master of Disguise, was a highlight for me. While amusing, though, it's one of those bits you get the feeling was written for John Pertwee more than for the Doctor. I also liked that Captain Yates got the limelight in his unexpected infiltration of global chemicals. Despite knowing Roger Delgado was gone by this point, I couldn't help but initially think that Boss was going to be some new version of the Master. In fact, I honestly wonder if this was originally a Master story that was altered after Delgado's passing. The name Boss is certainly appropriate, and mind-controlling people and having them cause massive damage while appealing to basic greed is right up his alley. For the boss himself, I can't help but think the doctor got to him towards the end there with his increasing singing and irreverence. And Stephen gives the Green Death 3.7. 
out of five. An incredibly valid score, <laughs> though I say so myself. Fantastic note about the master. If I, I'm not entirely sure. I'm, I'm about. I'm going to say I'm about seventy percent sure that Roger Delgado actually didn't pass away until after this episode or this serial was recorded. I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure about that, so don't take my word for it. Maybe worth a Google. But I definitely see your point. There are a few master-esque elements to the boss and, uh, and to Stevens, actually. <laughs> Thank you very much for sending that in, Stephen. Awesome stuff. People of Podcast Land, you probably follow Stephen on Twitter already. If you don't, you should. He's at sgamer82. That is 82, the number. Okie dokie. That's it for Listener Minis. I do want to add one more Future Punk note, and this is that there is a special feature on the Green Death DVD, which is available on YouTube. I actually watched it on YouTube myself just a moment ago, and it is a mind-blower of a featurette. It's called Global Conspiracy, and it, it's sort of a mini-mockumentary. It's about ten minutes long, and it features Mark Gattis, of Mark Gattis fame, playing journalist Terry Scanlon, and interviewing, he's, oh, I'm not going to try to pronounce the place in Wales uh, where the Green Death takes place, but he is there interviewing lots of people, among others, the chap who played Mark Elgin and the chap who played Stevens, who <laughs> in this one shows up as the new BBC director. And he has the boss, like a mini version of the boss, on his desk. He also, in fact, interviews Stuart Bevan as Clifford Jones, who confirms that he and Joe did go to the Amazon and, in fact, did find the fungus they were looking for. And, wait for it, this is the mind blower, it also includes... <laughs> oh, you know what? I'm just going to include a soundbite. Here, behold this 100% theory-confirming soundbite. Well, eventually we drifted apart. There was always something that came between us. And what was that? It's this big blue crystal. Yep, Sherlocked. <laughs> Mystery solved. I think it's probably fair to say that this isn't canon, but it, you know, do with this information what you will. As I said, you can find this clip on YouTube, and uh, I have embedded it on whobackwhen.com. So if you go to this episode's post on whobackwhen.com, then you'll be able to watch that clip there. Okie dokie. All right, let's get back to the show. Ciao, ciao. Bing bong. Awesome, awesome stuff. Next up on the horizon, we have a new Who episode or a new Who review. It'll be a review of The Lodger, after which we have our 200th episode. It'll be a bonus episode. Oh, wow. Whoop, whoop. Still haven't made a mention on Facebook or Twitter exactly what we want you to do for that, ladies and gents, but we do want you to do something, and we will let you know. <laughs> the next classic is going to be The Time Warrior. Hey. Yeah. I would like to say one more thing before we jump into our own uh, uh, tweety... Plugs, uh, Tweety Plugs, <laughs> namely that, in case you haven't seen, on whobackone.com there is now an article archive, it's a blog and it is slowly but surely taking shape, there are already six articles up there, and some of the people who have uh, sent in uh, mini-reviews are represented. We have Trenton Bless, Trenton is heading up the Whobackone Tops, he is uh, doing rankings, we've got the bottom five Hartnell serials, uh, according to Trenton, according to Trenton. 
uh, and uh, the regeneration stories ranked as well as of today. Uh, there's also a fantastic review of um, a comic strip, Doctor Who and the Iron Legion by Arthur Fuxake, <laughs> fuck's sake, uh, which is so incredibly well written and such an awesome review that he inspired me. I went out and bought the, the Iron Legion right after I'd read that. So thank you very much, Arthur. There's more stuff coming from Peter Zunage and Kyle Rath, all of which is in the pipeline and is going to be published next week. Uh, go to whobackwhen.com, read articles. If you have articles that you want to submit yourself, please do. The rules are all on the website. In the meantime, you can say hi to us online as well. Nick, you are? At Nicolaley. Like ukulele, but with Nick. More or less. Uh, and I am at Ponkin. You know how to spell that. If not, ask a friend. Ask uh, an adult. <laughs> <laughs> Until the next time, be rad and excellent to each other. Rock on and cha-chao. Bye. Kablamo! Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when. Tell your friends. But I've got no friends. No problemo. Tell some strangers. Hey. Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash whobackwhen. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome. High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it. We're at whobackwhen. All in one word. Check us out on Instagram for behind the scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit. Listen to us on Stitcher and head on over to our website whobackwhen.com where you can submit a review of your own, browse the article archives and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters and more, which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, ciao. Who back when?